Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football might be over, but NBA and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Polina Edmonds, and today on the pod, I have another special guest. She is a four-time Thai national champion and an international skater, competed all over the world. Her name is Theta Lamsam, nicknamed Palmy. Thanks so much for coming on today. Hi, thank you so much for having me here. (laughs) So did you grow up in the U.S. or did you grow up in Thailand? I grew up in Thailand, actually, but everybody thinks I grew up in the U.S. because my English is really fluent, but that's just because I went to an international school at home. Cool. So what was your training process like in Thailand? When did you start skating? Why did you start skating? And who did you learn from? My training process is an interesting one, actually. Uh, I was exposed to skating through like a movie um, when I was like five or six um, my dad he showed me like this movie called Ice Princess that I think a lot of people know and my sister and I we just like sat at the TV and we just stared and we replayed it like over and over again and I think at that time we probably really liked skating and then my dad he mm-hmm. wanted to show us what figure skating was actually like in real life because as we all know, um, movies in real life, it's not the same. So then he was starting to show us all these figure skating competitions from like the Olympics, from Worlds, Grand Prix Finals. So I was watching like Sasha Cohen and Arena Slutskaya and even older than that, like Sarah Huge and Michelle Kwan. So from that time, I knew I really wanted to start skating. But then there wasn't ice at home, I'd say, because Thailand's a tropical country. It's not a winter sport place. And so I finally got to skate when I was seven at a friend's birthday party. It kind of just progressed from there. We started, it was a weekend activity, me, my sister, and my dad. Then my mom later joined. We added, it was two days, and then it was three days. We got a coach, then it was four, five, and then now it's six because we're training competitively now. A really fun thing was I started skating, and I still do. I train in a shopping mall, which is very common in Southeast Asian skaters. Uh, most of the ice rinks, they're considered uh, recreational places, so that's where like people go have fun. There would be people skating, people who didn't know how to skate, skating around the rink, and then we would be in the center, jumping, spinning, trying to do steps, trying to do our programs. Wow, that's so crazy. I know um, just from going to 
consult coach in Mexico, they also have that where a lot of their rinks are in skating malls and then they're skating on the public sessions and they're trying to fit in their jumps in between all these, you know, random people who don't really know how to skate. Um, I had some experiences with that as well growing up when my ice rink in San Jose, California, whenever they didn't have freestyles, because we would get our freestyles canceled a lot for big hockey tournaments, we would have to skate on public sessions. And so it would be kind of like a game of Tetris or as my coach would be like, you're, you're in a video game right now, like try to fit in your triple whatever, like in between all these people. It's really difficult, but it's definitely possible. And so it's, it's a lot of mental strength where you have to trust that you have enough room and that you're not going to like telegraph, right? Like before going into jump, you just have to fit stuff in. But growing up, whenever I would see really little skaters, like skaters who are just doing singles and they're on a freestyle session, it's like, come on, you can definitely do these things on public. You don't need to be on a freestyle session where there's girls doing doubles and triples. Like, please go practice your crossovers and your wall jump on public. <laughs> Totally, totally. Like, I remember when I was younger, and I think at that time, it was maybe like nine or 10. Nine was actually the first time I went outside of, I'd say, the Asian zone, like Mm -hmm. in the Asian region. That was the first time I went outside for training, actually. My first training trip was in Lake Arrowhead in California at Ice Castle. And I had never experienced a freestyle session before where everybody knew what they were doing, right? Mm -hmm. So then I came back home and I was doing like, I was doing doubles. I was starting double axles and was practicing triples at that time. And I remember getting so annoyed at all these like public skaters who were skating around. They were like, they didn't know where they were going. They were cutting lines when Mm -hmm. I was doing my long program. Yeah, And you know, you're, you're tired, you're trying to land your jumps, <laughs> but then at the same time, you're trying to avoid them. It's, it's a really big mental game, and I get really annoyed and angry. But then my mom would tell me, like, this was my advantage that a lot of skaters don't have. This is the game that I have to play. This is what I have to practice with, because if I can do this, then I can do it anywhere in any ice in competition, in freestyle ice. If I can do the hardest thing, then I can definitely do it in competition. So I was like, okay, mom, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. And that was, that was how I rolled. That's some really good advice. And it's so true. I think my coaches used to tell me the same thing when I would be on a public session. It's, it's a lot of mental training when you're doing that. And it's a lot of trust in your body and how far you push and how fast you can do your jump and all of that kind of stuff. And exactly right as soon as you go to a competition and you're on a freestyle session with a ton of great skaters you're able to do so many different maneuvers that they might not necessarily be able to because you have that experience so it's pretty cool definitely yeah it plays out really well too in the programs because like in a senior program you're trying to fit seven jumps three spins and two steps into the program in just four minutes so practicing on like cramped ice just gets you to like jump quicker in smaller Mm -hmm. spaces and because you can do that then it gives you an advantage in the program because you can like oh okay here's a double axle like here's a triple sow here's a exactly (laughs) it's pretty cool so did you train entirely in thailand or was there a time where you were training in the u.s yes i spent a majority of my training time in, in thailand at my home rink, which is still my home rink. 
And then I'd spend mm-hmm. most of my summer and winter breaks at the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I was training at Ice Castle. And then after Ice Castle closed, I moved to train in Palm Springs. So I was at Desert Ice Castle until, I'd say until I was like 17, 18, like before going to college. And that, I think that really helped. How, how did you get the connections, like being, were, were there coaches in Thailand that connected you with coaches in the U.S.? And who in the U.S. as a coach did you work with in the summers and winter breaks? I actually got connected from the previous national champion. So like we don't have a lot of senior skaters. So it was always like, okay, it was this girl who would reign for like five, six years. And then it was this next girl. And then it was me. So before me was, um, her name was Mimi Chindasok. And she trained at Ice Castle. And so then because she went, so then um, we started going to, I started off training with Raphael. And then I came back home, but my coach, um, she was, she was Chinese. And there was like a lot of technical differences there. So even if I could like do the jumps well at the US, when I came back, like she couldn't help me maintain that technique and then keep going forward. So I switched to Anthony Liu and I worked with him up until I went to college because then I moved to Michigan instead. Nice. That's really interesting. So was it, was it really difficult to try to be like constantly adjusting your technique when you were in the U.S. and then when you were in Thailand? Yeah, definitely. When I was younger, I had, it was kind of confusing in my head because, um, at that time, I was learning with Raphael. So Raph would teach me one thing, and then I'd come back home, and my coach would teach me another thing. And I'd end up having this like weird blended technique, which it was good in a way, but then at the same time, it was an issue when you were going up to triple jumps. So I did end up having to switch completely, and then I had to kind of restart my basics from scratch when I was like 13. So kind of, that's quite late in, in the game. That's okay. <laughs> when did you start representing Thailand internationally? So like first question, what age were you Thai national champion? And were you competing internationally only after that? Or was it before in like a junior rank? We actually started competing internationally for Thailand, like from a really young age. So even in like pre-juve or juve, there were competitions to go around Asia. So my first competition was actually me representing Thailand in China. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so that was my first competition. But I didn't really start like, like competitive like ISU mm-hmm. skating, like ISU competitions until I was 12, which was like, it was the pre-Junior Grand Prix season. And my dad and my coach, they wanted me to get that exposure from traveling to Europe, adapting to the time difference, and then skating at different places outside of Asia, which was, and when I was like, as I was like 11, maybe, maybe 10, 10, 11, I started, then it got more serious. And then I was junior champion at 13. So I got the slot to go to junior Grand Prix. And then it just took off from there. I got a score for Junior Worlds, went to Junior Worlds for the first time. It was actually the first time that my country had somebody who qualified for the short pro to go skate at the short program at Junior Worlds. 
came back, won senior at 15, at 14, which is really young, and then did another season of junior because I was ineligible to skate senior. And then I got really hurt that year, that season. So I came in second and then I started senior. And then it just like, it just went from there. It was this really long role of international competitions in and out, in and out. So like, since you represent a smaller country, how many skaters usually get to go to international competitions in the senior level like you did? Is it just like a team of one? Do you get like two to three skaters? What is it like? It definitely depends on how many skaters are competing in that year's uh, national championships. Um, So there's normally two of us, but then um, I think the other girl, she has other commitments too. So she doesn't really uh, compete outside of like the Asia and she doesn't compete that much in general, but Usually it's just my team consists of me, my dad, and my coach. Um, and we just go everywhere together. It was just the three of us on road trips and then plane trips and train trips. It was, it was a lot of fun traveling. That's awesome. What is the process like for qualifying for bigger ISU events coming from a small country? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think a lot of people um, realize this, but to compete in like the ISU championships, you do need a minimum score to qualify, like a minimum technical score. And then once you achieve that certain um, minimum score for the short program and the free skating, then you get the chance to go. And then for the smaller countries, usually the person who makes it is the one who gets to go, which is probably like, it's just one person. So like when I, when I went to Junior Worlds, I was the only person who qualified. Then when I went to Fort Continents, I was the only person who qualified again. And then there was one year that I had another girl qualified. So it was the first time that there was more than one skater going. So it was, it was fun. It's fun having a teammate to go with you. Yeah, definitely. So you've been to two Four Continents championships. Tell yes. us what your experience was like there as a skater from a smaller country. Oh, yeah. I was starstruck the whole time at Four Continents. <laughs> Like imagine being there and then uh, you meet all these great, amazing skaters from larger countries or even amazing skaters from smaller countries who you watch in other, in world championships. They might've been to the Olympics before. They were at um, Grand Prix, at Senior Bs. And then they're all like jumbled out in the same ice. Like I'm sharing ice with no like like satoko like i'm sharing ice with satoko like wow mm-hmm. <laughs> 95% of the time that i was at for at both four continents i was starstruck then the other percent was oh no i'm here to, i'm here to compete it's time to get in the game so <laughs> kind of wake up and then after that i'd be like oh look at all these people <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i think a lot of skaters have a really similar um feeling when they go to like their first big competition and they do see skaters from all over the world. I definitely had that same feeling and experience when I went to the junior Grand Prix final when I was 15. That was right before the Olympics. So I was for the first time ever in the same ice rink 
an arena as all of the senior skaters that I used to watch on TV. And it was like such a starstruck moment, but also such a cool, like validating moment of like, I'm good enough to be here with you guys. Like granted I was a junior, but like still, it was so cool. Yeah, definitely. Like I felt that too when I went to junior worlds. Um, I felt like, oh, you know, yeah, I guess like I worked hard enough and I belong here now. Like I feel honored to be here. Yeah. Pretty cool feeling. (laughs) Well, let's talk a little bit about um, skating politics. So a lot of the time, smaller countries are behind the big countries, even when they perform the same elements and they're of the same caliber, you know, everything. We saw that happen at Worlds this year in the ladies event. What do you think about that being from a smaller country? I'd say it's definitely true. Like it's out there. I don't really want to say it for myself because sometimes like I doubt the quality of my own jumps and my own spins too. But I would definitely say it's, it's there. They're, I wouldn't say they're mean. I'd say they're more critical to us. I think it's because we don't have, I think it's because we don't have that much competition within our region, within our country. Mm-hmm. So then what I try to see it as is that it's like a learning experience for me, that they're being critical to me so that one day I could do huge jumps like the other skaters and then do jumps that are definitely clean and so that they won't call on me that, oh, that's under rotated and do good spins that, oh, this is, this is a level four for sure. So it gives me something to work on mm-hmm. all, all the time, every single competition. So you go to MSU now, you're a junior, or are you still skating while in college? And what is that like? Yeah, um, I actually decided to go to MSU because of Hannah Miller. Let's go. Who was actually in your podcast. Yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, we were doing research for... Um, universities and stuff like I started getting acceptance letters from a lot of schools and my parents they were asking me like um what do you want to do now like you already tried out for Pyeongchang Mm -hmm. and do you want to try again like what do you want to do because you're going to be alone from now on you're not going to be home and at that time I'd say I was like 18 and I was kind of a little bit naive to the world I'd say so I was like yeah you know like I got this it's fine it's cool <laughs> I'm gonna go to school and skate mm-hmm. so then I picked MSU because I thought it had the best um, training facilities mm-hmm. and I saw that it was proven from Hannah Miller that you could go to school and skate if I decided to go to MSU I went through a lot when I was at MSU. Um, not a lot of homesick for me, I'd say, because I've been traveling around a lot. Mm-hmm. But definitely things that I've been um, keeping inside of me, all my like little dark secrets. They're not dark, but you know, like my depression, my anxiety and stuff. Like I've been keeping all of that really laid low in, when, in my heart mm-hmm. and inside of me when I was younger and when I was at home and then now that I'm alone um, it kind of exploded I'd say when I went to college because I broke down Mm -hmm. in college but it wasn't because I was homesick or anything it was a lot of factors that contributed to it Mm -hmm. 
it was a journey at MSU. I finally seek professional help and I finally refound my passion for skating. Um, thanks to MSU and at Lansing Skating Club and all. Um, I'm still skating. It's definitely really hard, especially mm -hmm. when you're doing online school. And yeah, online school for, for me specifically, it's like classes at 2 a.m. That's not optimal for training. You know, you're supposed to be sleeping at 2 a.m. You're not supposed to be up for classes. Or even if you were up for classes, you're supposed to be sleeping at noon. But now I'm like, I'm up at noon. I'm skating, I'm training, trying to mm -hmm. get myself ready to compete. And then I'm up at one o'clock, two o'clock at night taking classes. Yeah, that's it. It is quite a journey to balance, you know, skating life with schooling, um, especially while you're going through a lot of confrontation of different mental health issues that you seem to be talking about. So let's let's talk about for that for a second, if you don't mind. Um, what were your experiences in skating, you know, growing up? As you said, that's something that you kind of try to push down and like not really confront. And then once you were in college, yeah, like definitely. what what was the catalyst that made you quote unquote explode? Yeah. So I'd say like the whole thing started off because I had this starting factor that I was a perfectionist, which is a very typical trait to find in every single skater who's trying to be the best that they can be, right? You're trying to do the most yeah. perfect jump. You're trying to jump the biggest. You're trying to land these clean jumps, trying to do clean programs. And then when you don't do them, um, you know, it feels, it feels really bad when you don't do them. I guess it started from there. But then when I was younger, everybody kind of thought it was kind of like me and my like my temper outburst that like I was a perfectionist. That was what everybody thought I was. And in a way, mm -hmm. they felt that it was good. You know, that it was there was this girl who's trying to do everything perfect. So, you know, everybody's just trying to calm me down from when I was younger. And then I think what really stemmed it was when I was like 13, 14. This is like 13, 14 is that like pre-puberty stage. You're kind of just growing taller at first, but you're not doing anything tall, right? And then a lot of people were advising me. They were like, oh, you know, you're getting close to puberty now. So you better watch out for your weight. You know, you better step on that scale every day because mm. if your body changes, then you're going to lose all your jumps. And as a perfectionist, I'm like, no, I don't want to lose my jumps. Like, I worked so hard for them. I don't want to lose them. So, yeah, at that time, I was I wasn't really like doing anything. I was just like training as usual. But I guess because I was doing triples, I was training harder than what I normally did anyways. And then I think after I was like 14, 15, I started getting injured. And then those injuries prevented me from doing all those big jumps that I used to do, combined with the puberty where mm -hmm. we're supposed to change in shape to be more womanly and be more mature looking. Mm -hmm. And I think it was that like, 
conflict of interest that I that my body and my mind had that kind of started my anxiety about like you know I wasn't feeling that I felt that I wasn't small enough I wasn't small like I used to be I used to be like chopstick skinny like that was how I grew up being like chopstick skinny <laughs> I was really really tiny and small and I would just yeah. spin really fast and everybody thought like oh she was she spins so fast because she's so small and then when I started getting bigger uh I started having trouble with my jumps like my rotation where it was going off and I was getting injured because I'm growing, I'm not resting enough, I'm not eating enough. All of that kind of started contributing to this like anxiety and stuff. And then because of that, I, mm-hmm. I was performing well and I started feeling really down and I felt like I'm not good. That was like my, my train of thought. And then because and nobody stopped me. That was the whole point. Like nobody stopped me in that train of thought mm-hmm. because I never said anything. Yeah. And then it slowly started spiraling down. I had a coaching change. Um, I used to work with a female, um, mm-hmm. um, a female Chinese coach who she saw me from the first day that I was skating. She she could take one look at me and she'd know exactly what I was thinking, what I was feeling, what I did that day. She would, I like my mom might not know that I had PE that day, but then she would mm-hmm. just look at me and then she'd be like, you had PE today. So I kind of, <laughs> so I kind of lost that, like that support system that I used to have. I switched coaches and the technique wasn't really working. I was getting injured every three, every three weeks. I was counting down the days to my next injury again and again and again. Yeah. And then, the biggest thing that contributed to that injury was because when you're, when you're injured, you're off the ice, you're not training. So because I'm off the ice, I'm not training. I don't want to get big. I want to keep my jumps there. Right. I want to be in the game when I'm back. So I started to stop eating. I just stopped eating entirely. I was like, I pretend like I was eating breakfast. Like I eat a bite and then I'd stop eating. I go to school, I wouldn't eat lunch. And then I'd come and I'd do all this like two, three hours of training for competition. And I'd go back and I'd eat a salad for dinner. That's not enough to, for training. And I was getting hurt. Yeah, I was getting hurt again and again and again. And just that time was really dark for me. I was, I felt like I was in a dead end. I was definitely clinically depressed at that time. Like I had no passion. I didn't want to do anything. It's going to, this is going to get dark, but I actually like hurted myself. Like I hurted myself. I, I contemplated a lot of things. At one point I was standing at the edge. Um, keep in mind that my ice rink is on the rooftop of a shopping mall and you can go outside to the parking lot. And then it was just like open air. Right. So I was contemplating at the edge of that rooftop building mm-hmm. as I, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not worth it. I'm not good like I was anymore. I was just really sad. And at at that time, I was like, okay, you know, maybe I should just end this once and for all, you know, like I should try. But Mm -hmm. my like my silly mind, like I think I had like an angel and a devil mindset in my mind. And the angel was kind of like, you're not gonna, 
you're gonna survive the fall. That was what it told me. It was like, you're gonna survive the fall. Like, you're not gonna, you're not brave enough, and you're not gonna survive the fall. So, save the trouble for later. So I was like, okay, I won't. And then I kind of like pressed it down. I never told anybody this because at that time, like, I was in skating hood, and my parents, like, my whole family was involved in skating because of me. Like, they wanted me to be the best that I could be. Not saying like they took. Like they left work and stuff, but like, you know, they invested so much in me. They watched me every practice. My mom, who doesn't know how to skate, she knows all the jumps. She can watch me and tell me like, oh, like that's your issue. Like they've invested so much in me. So I didn't want to tell them that I was like sad. And I, I don't, cause I, at that time I didn't even know what was wrong with myself. I told myself, I was like, this is just a phase of being a teenager. Like, this is a phase. That was what I kept telling myself. And I kind of pushed it down because I switched back to my old female Chinese coach and I kind of got that support system back um, a little bit. And then it was kind of good. I skated okay for a little while until... Uh, I went to college at MSU, and then at MSU, I was all alone, so I kind of felt like everything was, now everything is on me. If I don't do it good, it's because I'm not good enough to handle my own self, which in, in truth, it's not, now that I think back, it's not true, you know, like, mm -hmm. I'm a freshman, and I'm 18, and I'm living alone in a dorm, like, you know, it's, it's a lot to adjust. So I went to competition, and I skated so bad like it was not what I practiced at all and I kind of like I think like I know my mom was trying to help but at that time we, we like we kind of got into a fight where she was like what is this is not working like is this really the correct way for us to go and I was like confused like at the verge of breaking down and then I came back to my dorm and a good really good friend of mine he came over and he was like how's competition and I was like it didn't go well and instead of stopping he kept on asking me about it he was like what do you mean like tell me about it that it wasn't going well and i was not used to somebody asking me like why was it not going well i just felt like oh it wasn't going well because i didn't train well so it's because of me so i better mm -hmm. get back on the ice and start training again for the next competition this was the first time that somebody asked me why was it not good was it because of lack of training or mm -hmm. stuff and I didn't know how to answer like I was so confused in my mind I I was trying to hold my temper and everything in like it wasn't his fault it was me like breaking down and before he left he was like I think you should seek professional help it's gonna help you a lot I don't think you're good and he saw and he's seen me from the first from freshman year from the first day that I was at MSU during orientation and stuff and he said you should get professional help and I was skeptical at first mm -hmm. but then I like I actually broke down for a few days at that time and then I called my sister um, about this and I was like you know maybe I want to seek professional help and I ended up seeking professional help I even wanted to hide that I was getting professional help from like everybody in my house but then you know you can't see, keep secrets for a really long time, right? So my mom ended up out. And I think everybody was kind of shocked at first because um, 
mental health and getting professional help for mental illness is really stigmatized in in like in general and then especially in like in Thailand nobody talks about your mental health mm-hmm. ever it's like it's your problem you go deal with it but i yeah finally came clean with my with my parents and they, they were a little bit like shocked at first but then i think they slowly saw how i was kind of like getting better i was coming back to like the authentic pommy that i was the girl who started skating because she wanted to skate and then mm-hmm. from there like everything kind of just eased up its way especially with um with the pandemic and stuff like it's really showing that like you know this lack of ice that i have like it's not affecting me and my mental health or even if i like don't skate well you know it's not because i'm bad you know maybe it's just i'm tired from school or maybe i just need a little break so it's it's just me maturing and mm-hmm. understanding myself more was what came out of that whole big jumble of journey i'd say wow thank you so much for sharing that story i think what you went through is pretty crazy honestly um but it's not uncommon i think so many kids have similar experiences and they just keep it bottled in like you were doing and they don't tell anybody and they don't try to seek help because of the fact that it is stigmatized and they don't want to be seen as either weak or like have family members or friends you know be confused or be weirded out because they're seeking professional help but at the end of the day it is so so important um, to be helping yourself you know you are your own advocate like you have to be willing to recognize signs of like what's healthy and what's not I think the catalyst of your friend kind of telling you, like speaking to you for the first time, asking you deeper questions, having you kind of reflect and you break down a little bit, thank God that happened, right? Like so that you could have that little kick to go get professional help. Um, So glad that you are here today. You're healthy. You are not struggling as much with those things anymore. Again, thank you so much for sharing that story. Yeah, no problem. I thought it was like a good time to share now because I'm a little bit older. And I've kind of gone through that whole phase. And now that I'm looking back at it, I feel like, you know, some things do happen for, for a reason, you know. Like, I feel like my mom does ask me like, oh, you know, why did you think you skated well? But like, I guess because I didn't want to feel like weak. I wanted to be this like the strong girl that every everybody saw I was, I was like, oh, you know, it's because um, I lacked training. It was because I wasn't in shape. It was because I couldn't handle the school and skating. I wasn't capable of doing that. But now that I'm older and I'm starting to understand my body now, and especially because it was a friend who asked me and not a family member, like this was somebody outside of my whole skating life. This was somebody who never knew anything about me from the first day I skated, my first national title, all these like record-breaking things that I did for the country. And he asked me, so I was like, oh, if he's telling me this, then, you know, maybe it might be a bigger problem than I think it is because somebody who's 
really far away from me, I'd say, um, who doesn't know me that well or hasn't known me for a really long mm-hmm. time, they see this in me. So it's probably, it's probably more serious than what I thought. And I'm thankful that I took his word for it. So yeah, thank you, friend. <laughs> it's, it, it's funny because a lot of the times that is exactly what can happen where somebody that you feel comfortable sharing with, it's, it's kind of like when you first go to college. Um, I recognize this a lot when I had started freshman year and I met people that I hadn't known my entire childhood, right? We came from different states or different cities and we would start sharing things about ourselves and feel so open to be able to do that because they didn't know our past. And I would have friends who, um, like I knew them as this person who liked to do this, this, and this, but when we would see their friends from high school, um, you know, their best friends of their childhood, they would be like, oh, they don't know that I do this. Like, don't talk about how we go and we do this. Like, they don't know me as that. I don't want to like share that to them. And it's just so funny. Like a lot of the times you feel so much more open to really be yourself, really be your, your like share your authentic truths with people who don't know your past. And um, it can be very, very helpful in cases like yours where you do need to open up and you do need to speak about it and you do need to get help. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I think one thing that I tried to do when I was in college that I carried on from high school was um, I tried to separate this skating palmy and school palmy from each other. So I've Mm -hmm. always said like, oh, you know, friends at school, they won't know about my skating. I mean, they did, but like they didn't know the details. They didn't know how I went to practice, what I was doing and stuff. They just saw me at school and then they saw I disappeared for two weeks and then I came I'd come back for the exam and they were like, Oh, okay. She doesn't come to class, but she still passes her test. And then there was skating following who knows nothing about school and coming to college was the first time where I was trying to separate these two things. And I think because I was trying so hard to separate them, um, it ended up coming back to each other because I'm in a really small, like compared to when I'm in Thailand, right? Like it's a 45 minute commute from, from my house to the ice rink and then now it's like yeah. five minutes of walking like everything's so close you're gonna bump into people you know from class all the time and I think at that point after I seek professional help after somebody poked me through this like reflecting process I started blending school palmy and skating palmy together and that just really helped to shape who I am today that really helped my mental health too because now I didn't feel like oh there's like two versions of me it was just it was just me that everybody knew from different angles instead so you're studying psychology now right so did you have the inspiration to get into that field because of your personal experiences or what got you into wanting to study that yes and no when I was in um, school Uh, I was a really diligent student. This was all like before the last two years of high school. Um, There's a reason why. And I knew like for a really long time from the first injury that I had that I wanted to be a doctor. So for for the longest time, my dream was going to medical school. It was medical school, medical school, medical school. And then it was the last two years of um, 
high school and I was skipping school for like one month or two months at a time to prepare for competition. And I ended up kind of lagging behind in school and I was failing classes too, to say. Well, I was like barely passing, wasn't failing, but barely passing, which before I used to like excel in all these classes. And so I kind of, at that time, everybody was like, um, maybe medical school is not for you anymore because, you know, intellectually you haven't been to school, so you don't have that prior knowledge that everybody had. So I was kind of like sad and stuff, but then it was because this like mm-hmm. anxiety and depression that I had bottled up and like the eating disorder and everything. And I wanted to understand myself more. So I decided, I was like, you know, let's study psychology. It's the only subject that I'm actually doing good in school. Um, I did like the IB, like the International Baccalaureate um, program, which is like one of, it's considered one of the hardest um, academic things, mm-hmm. academic programs to do. Um, and that was the only thing I actually did good at. So I was like, okay, I guess psychology is the way to go. And maybe I'll reconsider medical school later on with that psychology. And so when I initially told everybody that I was going to study psychology, nobody was impressed because in Thailand, to be, to be, to impress people, you had to take classes you were either doing business school doctor lawyer or engineer like that was the top four like if you were doing these four you were smart you were capable and I was just doing like psychology which is that field where nobody really wants to do but then I finally came to college and I was like oh you know you can do something more with psychology it's more than just like reading people's minds it's not reading people's mind too to say. And I ended up kind of forming this new mindset about psychology. And then because I had this new mindset, everybody started seeing this new side of psychology, how important it was, especially because they saw it with me. And then from, from there, I kind of started rethinking that thought that I had in high school again, where I was like, oh, I wanted to go to medical school, but I wasn't like intellectually capable to do it because I wasn't going to classes. Now I'm, I'm going to classes. So I was like, oh, you know, I guess I'm, I guess I'm going to classes so I could give it a shot. So yeah, now I'm doing psych with pre-med too. And because it's almost senior year, so I'm getting really close to that medical school application cycle now. And I'm excited to see what I can do. (laughs) I think that's great. And I think it's cool because you're kind of mixing your like initial passion for being a doctor and then using now your experiences and whatnot, it's going to put you in such a great path and um, just give you that extra boost of like wanting to make change, wanting to help people in the future um, in just the way that you can and just the way that you want to. So that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, they say like, I've heard college is the best four years of your life. And at the beginning, I was kind of like skeptical about it. I thought college was like overrated. But then I came to college and then I realized for myself that like, oh, you know, because I came to college and that was where I kind of like found like my passion again. I like started 
mingling all these different parts of me that I've been separating for so long. I'm fixing all these problems, you know. So I'm coming out of college like a new version of me. So yeah, I guess college is college is a lot more fun than what everybody thinks. Definitely. Um, I'm a huge advocate for people going to college, like purely for the experience of, um, you know, being surrounded by kids of all different passions and interests and intelligence. Um, This is the only time in your life you're going to be surrounded by so many people like your own age and everybody's growing together. Everybody is really coming into themselves, coming of age. Um, And it's, it's a lot more about life experience, I think, than it, even is about education, like education in the academic part of college, very, very important for sure. But the other side of it, you know, the social life, the figuring yourself out, figuring out how everyone around you acts and how you want to be, like what groups you fall into. It's also just an incredible part of college that I personally really enjoyed. um, And I think that everybody should try to experience so that they can build uh, their personal growth. Yeah, definitely agree with you with that. <laughs> Do you ever see Hannah Miller around when you're on campus? Yeah, actually. Yeah? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first time that I went to um, Michigan State was, I'd say, like, end of May to June. We were kind of, like, doing, like, school surveys and stuff. And I saw um, Hannah Miller, and I knew, like, immediately who Hannah Miller was. <laughs> she was, like... <laughs> Junior Grand Prix final silver medalist. She was the <laughs> champion. I was like, oh my god, this is Hannah Miller. I was like freaking out. Starstruck. I was like fangirling. It was everything. And she was just, she was like so cool and composed. And I was trying to keep my cool and composure too, right? So it was, it was weird, but I got to see her skate during her like her last year before mm-hmm. um, retirement and transitioning to be a coach. Mm-hmm. And that like that that whole process itself like that really inspired me to like it really showed me that like because if you go to California you see like all these like amazing skaters and especially when you're in like LA all these like like Nathan Chen Mm -hmm. and like Adam Rippon, Ashley Wagner, Mariah Bell like these really great skaters like all I see them is like they're consistent all the time there's probably a time where they're not consistent but like you don't see it but then, like, for Hannah specifically, like, I saw her, like, working on those jumps and trying to get them back. And they were, like, it started from, like, not good. And then it got better and better and better. And then they were, like, amazing when she went to, like, before she went to nationals and stuff. Like, it was so, it was really, it was so inspiring for me. And I was, like, oh, wow. Like, look at her go. Like, woo. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's so awesome I yeah. love that yeah I think I think for a lot of skaters it's also really important to remember like you can be having a ripple effect on others no matter where you are in your skating career or you know your life or whatever because I know probably for Hannah at that time she was struggling like she had just moved back she was dealing with her own you know mental health issues as well as trying to return like all of her jumps and stuff like you were saying and you know does she know that she had an impact on you yeah probably not until she listens to this podcast right um if you're listening to this Hannah hey (laughs) but that's why it's just it's important to be very intentional with things that you do right um you never know 
what ripple effect you're going to have at any stage of your career or any growth point in your life. And um, there's always people watching and that isn't a negative thing. It doesn't have to be scary. Like a lot of skaters feel that way, especially when you're not training as well as you used to be or whatnot. You know, you go to a rink like LA and everybody's on fire and you're, you know, in your own rink. I would have those moments in San Jose where I was falling all the time. I didn't look that great training. Um, I was working hard. I was putting the effort in, but I wasn't nailing everything. And mentally that's hard when you know that everybody's watching. Um, but it doesn't have to be this negative perception and it can actually be really positive where if you turn it around in your mind, you know, even though I'm falling, everybody can see I'm putting a hundred percent effort in. It's a long process and I'm showing all these parents, all these younger skaters that it's probably going to take me eight months to get everything back, you know, but after that eight months, there it is. Like everybody sees it. Everybody saw the journey and everyone can respect and be inspired by the whole process. And that's that's kind of the mindset that I think more and more people need to start feeling. And it, it's difficult, of course. Um, everybody wants to be good all the time, but there's so many ways that you can impact people and you can be inspirational. And it doesn't need to be that you're perfect all the time. That's that's so true. Yeah. That's I don't know what to say like that's so true especially because when you this is like this is really relevant because when you come from a smaller like a smaller ring or I'd say like a smaller country you're the only senior skater there and I'd, I'd say like like I'm lucky I have like another like other girls who are juniors now like when I was 16 I was the only senior like maybe me and another girl and like I was number one I was the national champion and nobody was gonna catch up with me so it's really hard when you have nobody to look up to and then you're the one that has to set the example for everybody, but you've never seen an example before. And the only examples you've seen are like, oh, everybody's like on fire in LA, you know? <laughs> so then when you, don't, when you don't do it, you feel really bad and down. So then when I came to, um, to East Lansing and I, I got to be with this whole like, this whole like, Hannah's journey, well, the last part of her journey, um, it was really inspiring. Mm -hmm. And that was what really inspired me to continue skating at that time where I was like, I was contemplating on like quitting. I was like, okay, after this competition, I'm going to be done. I'm done. And then I saw her like the whole process. And I was like, I mean, it's not about just doing clean jumps and doing good spins and winning medals and stuff it's about enjoying the skating and the training process and she really showed me that when I was at MSU so yeah thank you Hannah you really impacted my life in a really amazing way so we love to hear it we love to hear great skating stories like that you know that's really the best part of the skating world is that um there can be so many moments where you just fall in love with skating again, or, you know, somebody inspires you to start looking at skating in a different way, find your passion again. And that's something that I myself learned a lot. Um, when I went through retirement and I started getting involved with skating again, I remember when I initially retired, I didn't watch any skating. I wasn't looking at any competitions. I wasn't keeping up with all of the ranks. Um, not because it like hurt me 
to watch or like see, you know, my competitors progress and for me like not to be there anymore. But it was more so of like, I don't want to invest this energy when I don't need to anymore. And that was fine. Um, But as I kind of came to terms with actual retirement and how I wanted to stay involved with skating, you know, starting this podcast, talking to skaters and different people in the skating worlds about so many different fields, I've even come to realize there's so, so many different groups to skating. It's not just that top elite perfect level where you see these great skaters and they're just on fire. There's so many different types of skating that you can be involved in. And there's way, way more skaters in the world, in this country that aren't of high level, right? Of they're, they're just there to skate. They're just there to take their moves in the field test. They're d- there to join the synchronized skating team. Um, and even skaters who've retired, they get back into skating with coaching and that can be so fulfilling. And um, it can bring that love back to the sport where you're helping somebody else fall in love with the sport and you kind of remember why you started in the first place. And I think connecting with that, connecting with skating on those kind of levels is so powerful. And it's, it's really awesome to hear stories like yours and um, like Hannah's and like so many others where people are just passionate about skating for the reasons they started. You know, being in the elite zone is great and all, but it's, it's fierce, it's competitive, and I don't think it's always healthy to be in there. Sometimes you need to take time off and coming to MSC was what really helped me. I was so wrapped up in like, oh, I need to get the mm. scores for, for continents. Like I had to try to qualify for Worlds now because my friends were all going to Worlds and I was the only one who didn't make it mm-hmm. to Senior Worlds yet. Like I had to do it. Like I'm falling behind. Then I came to college and I saw and I, w- and I joined the MSU figure skating team and I saw there were all these girls, you know, of different backgrounds, different skating levels. And they came to the ice rink and all they shared was the same love and passion for skating. And at, at, at the beginning, I was like, okay, this is like weird. This is different. But then I, I think I kind of slowly like came to terms. I got used to it and I started to appreciate it more that like, oh, you know, skating's not just about getting to the Olympics, qualifying for worlds, going to four continents, going to junior Grand Prix, Grand Prix final, senior B events. It's about enjoying that whole moment you're on the ice, whether it's like if you're jumping single, doubles, triples, doing spins, doing steps, you know, it's, it's about enjoying the whole skating process, enjoying the whole training, the whole, it's the part that everybody doesn't like, the whole off-ice process. Nobody likes it, but, you know, if you enjoy it, then you're going to do it only once in your life. You're not going to be, like, training cardio so hard for for a four-minute program when you're like 40. That's not gonna happen anymore. So it's, it's, it's appreciating those moments that you have, appreciating, appreciating those times that you share with the coaches and the people at your ice rink. And I think that just makes skating itself more valuable than just going out there, landing your triples and then like winning the medal. Absolutely, couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Pommy, for this interview. I think, you know, you shared such valuable information. Thank you for sharing your story. It's incredible to hear an athlete talk about 
your own experiences, go through what you went through and be able to come out on the other side. And I think you're going to have a ripple effect on a lot of people now from this interview. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to share my experience with you and with everybody who's listening to this podcast. It's been really fun. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. Please let me know what you think. Subscribe to my channel. Give me a rating. Give me a review. Follow me on my Instagram. That's where I'm promoting this. My username is at Paulina Edmonds. And stay tuned for my upcoming episodes. I have some really great interviews planned. I'm super excited about them. So keep an eye out for them. And I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.